Alright. Recording is in session. <clears throat> yes, DJ. <laughs> wow. Did I just find a new kink? Welcome back to another episode of Table Talks, where deeper conversations are something highly sought after and rarely explored. And I have with me, as always, my co-host, Alyssa. Hi, honeybees. Am I not lovely today? I'm not your lovely co-host. Did I not say that? No. Spectacular co-host. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I should probably try to change my lovely co-host to something new since we are in season two. I know. I have honeybees. I know. I've changed mine twice. Yeah. Fuck you. I've been around Come longer. at me, bro. <laughs> Listen, I did this shit by myself at first, okay? <laughs> I'm coming at you for next time. <laughs> uh, all right, what are we getting into today? Gaining the confidence. Woo-woo. Which I know we teased a little bit last week, so let's get into it. All righty. Um, we're going to start with insecurity because I think before we can talk about confidence, we got to address insecurities. The elephant in the room. You want to give the definition of what an insecurity is? Sure. Very highly equipped with insecurity. Um, insecurity is a feeling of inadequacy, uh, not being good enough and uncertainty. Um, it produces anxiety about your goals, relationships, and ability to handle certain situations. Mm-hmm. That's a good definition. Yeah. So, I think too much insecurity can definitely lead to some detrimental things. Mm. Um, You have issues in your everyday life, in relationships, or even have it become a mental health issue. Mm -hmm. So, I think it's important that we talk about it. So, I think we got to start from the very beginning. Where does insecurity stem from? Mm. So, there's a lot of reasons why insecurity can come up, but some common ones could be a traumatic event, uh, previous experiences, social conditioning, for sure, Mm. Um, environments like school, work, home, instability, and it can also just be your brain chemistry and how your brain is made up. Yeah, absolutely. I think, too, you know, last week we talked about the overthinker brain, I think these kind of, like, pair nicely together, like, insecurity and the overthinker brain. I thought the same. For sure, and I didn't think that they would pair, because I know that, like, we've been trying not to pair things directly back-to-back, just kind of in the same maybe month, Um, but it's really interesting that in this one specifically, it's, like, the instability and... For me, it was the previous experiences, but immediately for me, that word triggered, oh my God, I have so much insecurity because of my past relationships. Fuck that shit, man. (laughs) I mean, I think it's very valid because you may not have, growing up, living your life, you might not have any insecurities, but something will arise or happen that leaves you with an experience that you're just like... Well, shit. I'm feeling some type of way. I'm feeling uncertain. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling doubtful about, you know, me or our relationship. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of reasons why those insecurities come up. Um, I thought the interesting one was, like, instability. Mm. So if you're constantly in, like, a chaotic state, 
Um, Because social conditioning and environment, I feel like, go hand in hand and is a little bit more common Mm. to be seen when you're talking about insecurity, you know? Social conditioning would be, like, you know, social media, society, those societal standards. Um, And even traumatic events kind of falls in that, too, of, like, okay, how did... Childhood trauma! (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Ding, 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 we have a winner for insecurity. Um, I feel like... I feel like traumatic events is almost the same as environment because if you have that chaotic environment you can certainly like traumatic events are almost like this kind of shitty but like almost bound to happen in a chaotic environment i don't think it's bound to happen i think that instability and environment go a little bit closer hand in hand um because if you do have a lot of instability in your life in your environment then you gonna have you're dealing with all the chaos and you mm. don't have just that like peace of mind all the time and that can cause its own insecurities. Well, like an, a traumatic event can be a single event, mm. just happen once, and it can change the rest of your life. Yeah, but I feel like the reason, like, I guess not, because that's what I was gonna say. Because I feel like as a child, when you have that like chaotic environment a I lost it it's gone it's gone when you have childhood trauma I know a lot, an I know exactly where I was and I don't I was the about, ending is gone fuck I was talking about instability and environment going hand in hand no, nope. it's down. It's down in the Bing Bong Cave. <laughs> what is the Bing Bong Cave? You've never seen Inside Out. Yeah, but like Bing Bong's the elephant, is he not? Yeah, and then he goes and he falls into the where all the core memories get lost. Mm, it's been a while. That movie was way different than I thought it was gonna be. I thought Inside Out was gonna be about like all these people having like their emotions in their head, and it was just gonna be like a reenactment. I didn't think that Joy was gonna go get lost on this traumatic adventure, and then Bing Bong was gonna, you know, do what happened. What happened to him? And he went bye bye. And like, yeah, that's why I was like, my thought train is like, it's just down in there. It's just down with Bing Bong. It's gone. <laughs> the train is lost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, traumatic events and childhood trauma because they're un. You had unstable... Yeah, I know what I was talking about. And I don't know. I don't know where I was going with it. Okay, moving along. Yep. So, are there for... is For this, are there, like, certain types of insecurities? Yeah, so in my research, I mean, insecurities can stem, again, from, like, almost anything for a variety of reasons, but they had some, like, core common types of insecurities... Um, one of the first ones was relationship insecurity. This is usually like a concern over attachment and affection, that type of thing. So like (laughs) this may stem from, um, either like an unavailable, distant or unsupportive parent or guardian. Um, you can maybe see this in like concerns of jealousy or cheating, like a lack of trust, uh, constantly feeling like the person is going to leave. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You feeling some type of way oh, about God, that? Yeah. Woo. Woo. That's some hot, heavy shit. Do you want to elaborate? Do you um, care to elaborate? Yeah, I mean, I don't mind elaborating, but I think for me, like, recognizing I definitely have relationship insecurity due to, like, my relationship before the one I'm in now. That relationship was, first of all, an extremely chaotic, 
roller coaster of events and it was like every six to eight weeks we were breaking up he was cheating on me there was something we were having some major fight like just very on and off oh very on and off and you know I had told myself in like high school I'll never be in one of those on and off relationships and then here the fuck I was and I was like because I had said to myself like I'm done dating like I'm not I'm not picking another one I'm just gonna whatever fucking bullshit this one's got I'm just gonna handle it and we'll just fix it okay just done but yeah that ended up creating because I stayed for so long and was in that traumatic cycle of every six to eight weeks you know basically being told you're not good enough I need something else and then coming back and like "Mm, but I love you it's Mm. bullshit first of all (laughs) you get real candid (laughs) yeah I mean but like that's coming from a place of the fact that like I've started to really be able to I thought that I had dealt with all that before I got into this relationship but the reality of it is you can't deal with your relationship insecurities until you're in that next relationship you think that like you have all these great coping mechanisms and yada 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 but until like you're in that relationship and having to actually handle those moments as they come up it's not as easy as you think it is Mm, absolutely I remember when you did break up with that person and you decided you were going to be by yourself for quite a while after to make sure you dealt with everything and although you felt like you had dealt with most of it you know once you did get into a relationship you were like oh yeah okay wait yeah yeah (laughs) I got some trust issues and stuff like that yeah and like I knew I was going to have those trust issues just based on simple actions in like my past relationship like always having the phone flipped over and like I didn't think that was like weird until like you know a year into this on and off relationship where I was like (laughs) Then I started catching on to the cheating and things like that. And I was like, oh, that's why your phone's turned over. So now I, like, recognize that, like, that for me is, like, it's, like, a super trigger if my spouse, like, puts his phone, like, face down. I'm instantly, like, fuck. Yeah, What's he doing? past experience. Yeah, exactly. From that past experience. So I definitely, like, and the trust issues of, like, you know, my spouse isn't someone who's, like, on their phone quite often, like, hates talking on the phone like talking on the phone is not my spouse's thing like hates it to the core like unless a a phone call is to get to the point and that's that like that's all for my spouse and like that was hard for me in the beginning and I was very much like oh mm, I need more than that like we had like we had to have like a really big conversation about it and there were things like I was like he wouldn't share his location like my ex wouldn't share their location but now my spouse I was like hey like can you share your location with me on Snapchat? And, like, it was something so simple, and I felt like I was asking, having to, it felt like it was such a big ask, and I was like, oh, and in my head I'm, like, asking this simple question, right? It seems so simple. Like, it's just so I know where you are if I can't get in contact with you. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to blow up. He's going to freak out. He's going to tell me, like, fuck me. He's going to tell me that I'm so controlling. And, like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is going to be a huge fight. And he was like, yeah, okay. And I was like, wait, what? You're like bracing for impact. You like look up with one eye, like really? We got? I was like, that's easy. I was like, wait, you're, wait, really? He's like, yeah, you're my girlfriend. Like, uh, it makes sense. Yeah, if I like don't answer after I've been driving on the road for two and a half hours coming home from work because there's an accident and I obviously don't want to be on my phone to cause another accident, you can kind of like check in and be like, oh yeah, there he is. Makes sense. And I was like, oh, okay cool and I'm like waiting for the day that like it turns off and I'm like that's not happened it's 
You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Like, constantly in that state of, like... Worry. Panic. <laughs> <laughs> Panic's a great word. Yeah. So, like, relationship insecurities are, like, huge based on, like, past experiences. At least for myself. <laughs> that, you know, the whole soup is distrusting. <laughs> I had to bring that back. I I was like, as soon as you said, like, um, it can cause trust issues, I was like, soup is distrusting. (laughs) I'm like, I got to bring it in just to, like, make light of the situation. Yeah, people are hot takes if you don't get that reference. It was our Mm pre-talk. Soup is so distrusting. It's so hot. I can't believe it betrayed me like that. (sighs) Watery bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the next one is job insecurity. So this would be like if you're concerned over consistent employment or the benefits that your job offers. Um, you can usually see this in signs of like anxiety about job performance, circumstances beyond their control, um, meaning things like the economy, workplace conflict, you know, lots of drama at the workplace, mm. uh, failure even. I haven't actually seen or met someone that personally has job insecurity have you um not necessarily but I think I feel like people especially in today's market have the job insecurity post-pandemic for sure yeah about like almost like circumstances beyond your control like that portion of it like things that you know, say you're a lower level employee, you have a boss above you that doesn't give you strict things about a guideline or or a project coming up. They don't give you, you know, the deadline, basically. They just tell you, oh, when you get it done, and then, like, it comes to it, and, like, you get it done. You don't get it done, and they're like, oh, but this was the deadline. You're like, well, I was never informed on that deadline. So Mm -hmm. I feel like those, that would be some of it. And also, like you said, the the post-pandemic, I feel like there's definitely a lot of job insecurity yeah, a lot of people got laid off. Yeah. I think that the pandemic was a big one that job insecurity popped up. Yeah. Um, and I, I think th- another one is, you know, the recession in 2008. That was a huge one for, you know, the generation above us. Um, you know, my sister-in-law and my brother went through some of that. And, you know, they had job insecurity for a while. And as, you know, we're approaching this, like, as we approached the pandemic in these, you know, uncertain times, there was definitely conversations that I had had with my sister-in-law and she was very much like yeah like people are really worried about like losing their jobs and things like that because Mm -hmm. you know projects are stopping people the construction isn't happening and like she's like I'm trying to like reassure them that like architects usually make it through because like we have other things to do like we can prep for other projects while things may not be moving in the right direction yeah Um, I think even like the restructuring of companies plays that that same role absolutely where like you have a big corporation they decide to do cut you know cut backs and stuff like that where they change the budget and Mm -hmm. they have to lay people off you know you lose your job or commission-based jobs Mm -hmm. that are based off of how you perform and possibly every month you're like am I gonna lose my job well I think too like uh, a good example of that is like when cars aren't being manufactured. Like I think now you have salespeople that aren't being able to make ends meet and having to pick up second, third jobs because their full time job that they would be able to sell cars isn't a possibility because manufacturers can't can't get back up to speed since you know 
manufacturing places where warehouses were all shot down during the very beginning of the pandemic and everyone's trying to catch back up essentially Mm. so i think that's like the commission base is definitely a really big deal especially in that realm specifically yeah i think another side of it that i just was thinking about was you know the person that is really good at their job Mm. but they still have that insecurity whether that's from a past experience or what have you but they just feel like they are on a constant edge of Mm. possibly getting fired over like the smallest thing they worry about each behavior that they've done even each transaction like you might be good at your job but you still have those insecurities around Mm -hmm. your job performance absolutely which i think is totally normal but i think it's definitely i feel like job insecurity might be something that's easier to discuss with like your manager in a way to be like hey as someone who's had x as a past experience is there any way that i can get more validation around the things Mm -hmm. that i'm doing just having that open door conversation i think can be really beneficial and important even though i'm sure it's a lot harder said than done (laughs) yeah i think people worry about how the conversation's gonna go or maybe Mm. they get fired even thinking about like bringing it up Mm. (laughs) but i do i would recommend doing that conversation having the conversation because it is. It's an open door, and like your managers are there to help support you. And they if they're not, be. if they're not willing to do that, then that is clearly not the company for you. Correct. Someone that does an experienced job in security, you can do your own um, actions to try to overcome that. But if your job isn't helping that, I remember I left my last job because of just too much drama. There was too mm-hmm. much workplace conflict, mm-hmm. and it gave me stress. Yeah. I was just constantly worried about what was going to happen next. Yeah. I mean, I know now in my current job, they were like, somebody was like, oh, stay out of the drama. And I was like, yeah, I have zero desire to be in the drama. I was like, I've been fired from jobs and I've left jobs because there's too much drama. Like, I'm not interested in being a part of the drama. I'm here to do a job and go home and have a life. Like, this is not my main concern Mm -hmm. and they were like oh well you know you'll get pulled into it and I said if I get pulled into it like I will quit on the spot like this is not an option like I'm I'm being dead blatant honest like I don't tolerate drama in the workplace for myself like don't bring me into things because it's not gonna happen like I will leave a job I don't need you I genuinely like I genuinely have that thought of like I don't need you I'll find another job oh I feel like it's so hard because like I don't I I hate you you know me I don't like drama at all but, like, something about my aura just always, I'm, like, everyone wants to confide in me because mm. I'm, like, very open and, yeah. and like, non-judgmental. But, and then I'm, like, now I know all this information that I could get in trouble. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many people, like, in the first couple of days of my new job have, like, approached me and be like, oh, my God, I looked out at all. You're so easy to talk to. And I was, like, what? I'm, like, don't. Mm-mm. I can already see. <laughs> I can already see three people that I'm, like, mm Mm, that's gonna be an issue. Mm-mm, we're not friends. Already, <laughs> I already scoped them out and was like, no, no, and absolutely the fuck not. Absolutely the fuck not. Nope. I work one shift and I was like, hmm, no, thank you. Hmm, don't. Hi, yeah, like I'll help you and I'll help you do your job because like that's the point of my job. But don't like. Mm-mm. I can see that you're gonna play the nice game now and rope me into that bullshit, and I am not about it. Mm-mm. Not here for it. Nope. I'm sorry, as a food, in the food industry, there are way too many other jobs for me to find. (laughs) I will find another one. Everyone needs to eat. Yeah. 
Okay, the next one is body image insecurity. So I think this is the more common, most seen. Mm. Uh, this is like insecurity about the way you look or that you measure up to others or your own ideals. Mm. I think a lot of... Um, I think you'll see people, uh, social media scrollers, you know, the people that are consistently looking at things like Instagram and looking at all the model photos Mm. and, you know, wishing that they were like that and Mm -hmm. their, their body type and what's trendy, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, I think this was a, this was like a pretty big problem at the beginning of 20, uh, or the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, um, TikTok had been throwing out, which I had just learned about, but in the very beginning stages of the pandemic, their algorithm was throwing out ads of, like, nothing but working out and, like, eating right and, like, trying to basically, essentially, like, have you sign up for these supplements and weight loss programs and, like, all of this. And it was specifically tailored around, like, weight loss. Like, that was, like, the really big problem. It wasn't about, like, exercising. It was, like, oh, exercise and weight loss. Like, it was, like, a really big, like, the ads were all pushing weight loss. And a lot of people, like, I guess there was a lot of backlash about it in twenty late 2019, early 2020. And I can kind of see why. I mean... That's interesting. I didn't yeah. know about that. I, my I didn't brain, either. I literally just learned about it. My brain actually went to, like, the early 2000s, mm. which we were talking about over breakfast. Oh, my God. About all of the, you know, teen idols, the pop stars, everyone that was a celebrity around that time were, like, very, very, very skinny. Like, very that thin. was on trend, again, mm-hmm. with quotations. That was what was popular. Yeah. You know, and then, like... I actually seen those photos. I looked back on them and I was like, wow, that actually could be very dangerous. And it, mm-hmm. I think that it, I'm going to trigger warning this section just in case of the body imagery. Um, I think that this can lead to things like eating disorders and self-harm. I think a lot of the girls growing up in our generation have had those scars because of the trendy social media aspect of it and looking at these people you know it was all it was very like super skinny jeans um low rise oh my gosh low rise yeah with the thong hanging out for all of you trying to bring back low rise low rise jeans don't just don't i like my hips inside my pants okay (laughs) i don't i mean i'm not a fan of low-rise jeans but as long as we don't bring the thong part back i'm fine you know like yeah you gotta have like a whale tail the whale tail with the low-rise jeans was so popular back then it's awful um but this this can be seen like i said something like a dislike of your a part of your body or your Mm -hmm. entire body whether Mm -hmm. that's accurate or not um, and it can lead to very dangerous practices if left unaddressed. Thank you. You're welcome. I was going to say on something else, and I was like, no, I think I was going unheard, and I was like, that's yeah. not right. Well, I mean, unheard, too. Like, if people are, like, not, I mean, and I think now, today's social media has done is so much better. Like, ads and things like that are so much better. There's we not to fight for that. Yeah, of course, and I'm not saying that we haven't. I'm not dismissing that in any sense, but I think that it's so nice to actually see realistic models in clothing that I'm like, oh, wow, she looks good. And I'm like, could I wear that? And, like, it actually gives you the idea that, like, 
that style is for you instead of being like, no, you need to change into this in order to be able to fit that style. Well, I think that's why it would be, we had to change it because, you know, you're programming from a very young age. You're seeing all of these ads and marketing stuff towards you mm-hmm. and they don't look like you. It, the clothing aren't going to fit the same way. Oh, my God, no. And there was no diversity. I mean, do you remember for so long it was like Victoria's Secret Angels were like the standard. Yeah. That was the the, the iconic goal. Mm-hmm. And that's not... While it works for some people, it's not for everybody. And yeah. everyone ha- should look different and have their own version and confidence within their own body. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like. Exactly. Yeah. I think... I'm, Definitely glad that we have pivoted in a way that is so much better than what we grew up with. Agreed. Yeah. So, the final one that was pretty common, which I can definitely relate to, is social insecurity or social anxiety. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is usually worried over how others perceive you or your actions or words. Uh, you'll see trouble with interactions. I brought up phone calls as a good example. Um, people with social anxiety sometimes have trouble making appointments mm-hmm. um, because getting on the phone is very stressing for them. Mm-hmm. You know, talking to someone, making sure they, they say the right stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember a point in my life where I was like that, and I, I, I tried to, like, practice my speech before <laughs> I even called, make sure I had it down pat, and then I'd, like, try it, and I'd be like, oh, like mom, can you call the doctor? <laughs> I don't want to call. Like, I didn't even want to order pizza, like, because it just made me nervous. Mm. Uh, I have thankfully gotten past that, but that anxiety is, is can be crippling. Absolutely. Especially when you're, like, in that transitional period of, like, trying to learn how to adult. <laughs> like, For going sure. and taking over those, like, doctor's appointments and things like that. Like, I don't think people acknowledge that enough. Like, I think now, I think because of social media, we've been able to see that other people also dealt with that sort of same thing. And it's, like, that's just, it's normal for you to feel some level of resistance to that because you're stepping into a new stage of your life that is new and uncomfortable. Yeah, you know nothing about. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think that that is definitely um, a big portion of, like, stepping into an adulting role. Agreed. I think the interactions can also take place when you're, like, avoiding social events mm. or just interactions between another person. Mm. You know, I still don't like large groups of crowds. That's just my own personal space bubble thing. Mm. But, like, people find it intimidating to go to a party because there's so many people you don't want to look like you're like the only person in the corner of the room like you want to be able to interact but you might have trouble thinking about what to say to people or how they're going to perceive you like are they going to be judging what you say or what you look like i think that's a big one um i said that you might find that somebody with this insecurity would want some information. So, like, again, with the party example, mm. need for information. I know I've asked you for some of this <laughs> stuff. Like, the who, what, when, where, why. Like, yeah. okay, who's going? When is it? Can I get a map? What's the directions? Like, Yeah, I definitely... I Specifically, when you say that, it reminds me of going to the sauna. You were like, okay, what do I need? What am I wearing? What time? What time are we leaving? Do I need to meet you at your house? Like, what's what? what? You were so nice. And you, I, you sent me a, a long text with yeah. everything that I possibly could need to know. Mm-hmm. And I think for those of you that have a friend with social anxiety, like, 
keep that in mind. Like, give them all the details and don't be mean about it. Like, don't be like, why do you need to know? Like, just be like, oh, okay, here's everything. Because that will, first of all, make that interaction for them so much easier. And second of all, also opens up the doorway for you to be someone they're comfortable with rather than being someone that they kind of shy away from because you don't have that empathy. Yeah, and I mean, as someone who has social anxiety, I think the need for information is like you may be trying something new or arriving somewhere you've never been, and that can be anxiety-ridden in itself. But Mm -hmm. then to like bring the wrong things or show up to the pool party without a swimsuit because you didn't know it was a pool party or, you know, your ex is going to be at the party. Nobody said nothing. Or there's going to be 30 people when you thought there was going to be six. Right. Those things play a factor, and that can just help you control your anxiety, knowing that there's only going to be, you know, six of us, and you bring a towel and yeah. a bathing suit to the party. Yeah. Or I'm just like, okay, I feel prepared. Yeah. It's a security it's me- factor. And it's a, the mental load, right? Like, it takes off some of that mental load so you know what the expectation is. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well said. <laughs> well, and I only brought, the, I only thought about the mental load thing because yesterday we got a massive party at my job. And obviously I'm in food service, so it was like a full softball team. And they called ahead and they were like, oh, it's like 15 to 20. I was like, okay, cool. They got there and it was like 30 to 35. They like totally misjudged because they're not thinking, they're thinking the softball team. They're not thinking two parents per child plus probably a sibling Mm. or two. So there's all of those extras that nobody really thinks about. They're just like, oh, it's a softball team. Yeah, 15 to 20. That's right. And it's like, no, you have like almost probably two parents per child, at least one. So, like, yeah. So it so was, they showed up and you were ill-prepared to accommodate Oh, them. my God. We definitely were. But I, like, at least had, at that point, given the server who was going to be serving them, like, a heads up. Like, hey, there's a whole softball team coming. They say 15 to 20, but I have a strange feeling it's going to be more than that. And they showed up and they instantly showed up and said 25. And I was like, Whoa. well, good thing I cleaned that entire section so that way we could just sit them however many there were. But it is. It's, like, setting that person up for the expectation of the mental load that they're about to endure. I'm so I'm glad you thought of that though. I've yeah. seen many of skits where they're talking about like real events that have happened in food service where they say, Oh, I got a reservation for eight and when they arrive they're like, Oh, it's sixteen now and you can seat us, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like Mm-hmm. No, it's a busy Friday. You said eight. <laughs> we planned for I mean, eight in the corner. We can definitely get that set up for you, but it's going to be like an hour and a half. Yeah, and it's going to be like you're going to be spread through the restaurant, not in one whole section. Yeah. Yeah. I think people that don't work in food service don't understand what mental load it is when you give us the wrong fucking numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Call them out. Well, I mean, it's reality. <laughs> All right, identifying the signs of insecurity. So I wrote down low negative um, self-esteem or image, and this can be superficial. You know, think about when someone wants to appear secure, even though they're feeling insecure. It's that fake confidence, Mm -hmm. like fake it till you make it. Um, But sometimes you can see that through that so like their actions aren't lining up with their words or their responses Mm -hmm. you you can see that they're feeling insecure even though they're trying to play it cool Mm. Uh, perfectionism so you giggle i know i am aware my perfectionism isn't against me though i appreciate my perfectionism i i giggled and it was more of like flashback to the beginning of like pre-show you were like when we got to the social anxiety section you said check so in my brain I went perfectionism and then I was like check Check. (laughs) 
self-isolation. Um, self-isolation would be, like, pulling away. I can do this. Yeah, I sure. definitely think I can, too. I'm not sure if it's linked to my insecurity. I, I like to pull away from people because I get tired of peopling, but... Yeah, mine, I think, is definitely related to my insecurity. I think sometimes I do this, like, in my relationship, and I don't intentionally do it. Like, I'll just self-isolate when we're having, like, a problem, and I'm like, I need to try to figure out the end goal before, like, or the end of the problem before, like, we have a physical talk about it. But do you feel like that's self-isolation or just taking space for yourself to mentally process what you're feeling? I think it's a little bit of both. I think at the beginning, it's processing how I'm feeling so I can come to the table and make sure that when I have this conversation with this person, I can verbally express how I'm feeling and what actions resided, like, sat with me. And Mm -hmm. then I think after so long, sometimes it does become a self-isolation thing that, like, I don't speak up about it because or I don't want to have that interaction. So, like, I'll avoid the interaction Mm -hmm. so I don't have to... Speaking of avoiding, the next one is uh, adapting anxious or avoidant attachment styles. So anxious attachment style would be um, codependency or another definition would be depending on somebody else for their emotional, for your emotional well-being. Mm -hmm. So depending on that person to make sure they're filling your cup for you. Yeah. Which I think there is a healthy level of that in a relationship. Like, your spouse should be filling your cup as much as you're filling theirs. But I don't think that should be the only thing that is holding that relationship together. Yeah, you guys should be filling each other's cups. Mm -hmm. Where if you are not able to fill your cup even a little Mm-hmm. And you're depending upon somebody else to do all of that. Yeah. Um, that's where it becomes that anxious attachment style. Mm-hmm. Avoidant attachment style is more superficial. It's a lack of deep intimacy. Mm-hmm. So thinking about those people that never want to get into relationships, Serious maybe more ones. friends and benefits. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing because I already expressed the roller coaster of emotions that I went on in my last relationship, and very much it was an avoidant attachment style for sure because he was very up down. Up, yeah, down, they're up, usually down. running away from any type of commitment, mm-hmm. whether that's relationship commitment or even just like a commitment at a gym or bills or a house. Like, yeah, it comes in different ways. Absolutely. Uh, other things would be depression, anxiety, or poor job performance. Um, and we do want to say, like, if you are feeling this way, we do urge you to, like, speak to a professional, whether that's a therapist, a doctor, whoever, but we really do want you to get help if these are things you're feeling. (laughs) Yeah, I think if it's a long-term issue and it's, again, becoming detrimental to you and your lifestyle, Mm -hmm. um, then please speak with a professional. Absolutely. So now we're going to roll into the next section. Right after we take a break. All right, welcome back. Uh, So, we have now covered insecurity, which I think is definitely important to do before confidence, because if you haven't dealt with your insecurities, it's kind of hard to be confident. Absolutely, I 100% agree. (laughs) So, let's go into the definition. Uh, What is confidence? This is belief in oneself and one's power or abilities, as well as a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. 
I really liked that second definition from the Oxford Language Dictionary. Um, I just really liked the fact that they're talking about self-assurance, rising from your own um, appreciation of your abilities and qualities. It was, mm-hmm. like, so nice. Absolutely. It was actually really kind of hard to find a good definition of confidence. Which is weird. Very. But confidence has many meanings. So they had all the other, like, confidence in your abilities, confidence, mm, like, in confidence. Okay. okay. So they weren't talking specifically about, like, the confidence we're talking about, which is that um, assurance in your ability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Confidence can often be attached to how others perceive you externally. Um, I can 100% relate to this. This was a lot of my breakdown this week. (laughs) I think that it is common for it to be linked to how others perceive you, but I believe true confidence comes from within. Um, you have to build confidence within yourself mm-hmm. and have that be the base point of your confidence mm-hmm. and not relying on other people to make you feel confident mm-hmm. because people aren't going to be there all the time or mm-hmm. you know the external circumstances aren't going to be there all the time. I think very early on, a lot of my confidence, I'm giving quotations here, would be, like, getting a lot of compliments. Mm. Oh, you're so pretty. You look good. Nice smile. Blah, blah, Like, and so I used to feel confident. Mm-hmm. Oh, people like me. Great. And yeah. I think that the time I spent alone before I started dating, um, which was a long period of time, <laughs> is what really helped me gain like true confidence to find within myself what my abilities and qualities were and what was making me happy. Mm. Did you have a story about how your confidence came to be? Do you still feel confident? Yeah, I I do still feel confident, but there are definitely things that I notice if I'm doing them consistently, I definitely have more confidence in myself. Um, Like, you know, my breakdown was due to the fact that I wanted external validation about something and I wasn't getting it. And I was like, well, okay, how can I get it? And it was a matter of like, okay, I have to give it to myself because if I want it from other people, I ha- it has to come from me first. And Mm-mm. yeah, and that's, re- that's something that's hard, right? Like, Very. You, and you have to understand too, like something about confidence is also recognizing when you're not, the most confident and like it's okay to not be confident 100% of the time because I think that's an unrealistic expectation. I don't think anyone is confident 100% of the time. I mean I think that people looking at Jocelyn and I would be be like oh those girls are really confident but you're gonna put me in a kayak and I'm gonna go (laughs) oh (laughs) no not a chance like you're gonna have a lack of confidence or self-doubt at some point absolutely um but it's just trying to build your overall confidence so that like you know Mm -hmm. 80% 90% of the time you're feeling confident and it's coming from you You. absolutely and I think that's something that's kind of hard you know when you almost like transition in certain aspects of your life and I know for me one of the harder points was transitioning into my own business and like really establishing that and being having this major imposter syndrome and I was like I don't even belong here (laughs) like Mm -hmm. this is not for me like I don't know what I'm doing I'm like I'm I feel like I understand 10% of what I'm supposed to know what to do and that can be damaging to your self-confidence and like you have to really validate yourself and say okay I don't know this thing but it doesn't mean that I can't learn it and like recognize that 
areas that you don't know things are just opportunities for growth. And I think that's sometimes really hard to recognize. And I know for myself it was. <laughs> Quote of the week. <laughs> Round of applause. I, I think I agree. I mean, I used to have a huge fear of public speaking. Mm. <laughs> now I am on a podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, yeah, so I used to have, I, me and doing a presentation in, in school mm. didn't agree. I was like, really quick. I'm like, okay, go. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. That was it. All done. But my confidence really didn't grow until I was put into a situation where I wanted to succeed, mm-hmm. but didn't know how. Mm-hmm. I went into my first job, and while I was confident in my appearance, myself overall, I was not confident speaking in front of people. And now I wanted to become a dog trainer, which is pretty much 90% speaking in front of other people and I had to learn and it really helped I had, did have a role model like a mentor who taught mm-hmm. me but as soon as I got confident in the jargon and how to do things I started banging out classes right and left mm-hmm. and I would just you know yell across the store okay yep next project da, da, da. Yeah. and like you could tell the difference. I was standing Absolutely. differently. Yeah. I was more proud and loud, and I wasn't, like, stumbling through my words. Absolutely. And, again, that comes from that knowledge, right? Like, you were able to learn more about what you wanted to do, which gave you the confidence to do it confidently. Yeah. I think it was the practice, too. Just mm-hmm. my mentor would, like, after watching a few classes, she'd be like, okay, you're going to teach this section. Like, we're going to put your feet to the fire. Let's go. And so, yeah, I stumbled through it a couple times, but I gained confidence the more I practiced. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also just a little tidbit for public speaking, if you have that, like, fear, um, would be to practice with either a mirror or in front of your friends. Mm. I love, I mean, I think we still use, like, ums and likes. But oh, you can, gosh, so much. You can definitely decrease the amount of times you do that. If you are practicing with a friend, mm. you're like, okay, spit out a topic, and then you have to speak on the topic for, like, say, five minutes or a couple of minutes, and anytime you say um or like, they're going to go, eh, yeah. and you got to try again. Yep. That definitely helps me, too. I'd practice, like, what I'm going to say based off the book I was reading, and, okay, yep, sit is how you do this, and I'd write it all down. Okay, that sounds good. Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And also, I'm going to give fair warning. Um, it's starting to become summertime, and unfortunately, we're in the city, and we don't have good microphones yet, so there is going to be a lot of revving engines probably in the background of this podcast. <laughs> Motorcycles are everywhere. Watch out. Yeah. Look motor- twice. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, sorry, that was a brief interruption. <laughs> okay, so here is... We're going to go over some, like, tips um, about building yourself up, building up, and gaining that confidence. So the first one is to become aware of your thoughts. Mm. I think people underestimate how much inner monologue, self-talk comes into play. Mm-hmm. Your confidence, again, starts from within you. So the way you speak to yourself is one of the most important factors in my book. So identifying negative self-talk. Are you saying things like, oh, I'm terrible at this. Oh, gosh, I'm never going to succeed. I can't believe I'm doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. Or are you saying, I'm still learning. Mm. I, I, I did what I could with the knowledge that I had at the time. <laughs> Don't we love that statement? <laughs> yes. So becoming even just aware of when you're t- starting to do and identify that negative self-talk. I think it's that's the first step, really, is just becoming self-aware. Because we do it so much. Like, 
I didn't realize how much negative self-talk I had more recently until like my spouse pointed it out to me at dinner. I said, oh, I'm so stupid about doing X, Y, and Z. And he's like, why do you continually say that you're stupid about these things? And I was like, um, that's a great question. I was like, uh, condi- I, and honestly, like it took me a second and then I instantly was like, well, because I was conditioned to think that I was stupid about topics that I didn't know anything about, even though I knew a lot about them due to the fact that my ex was like always throwing it in my face that he knew more than me about a topic. And he was like, rude one, sorry. <laughs> and my boyfriend looked at me and he's like, wait, you're what? Like, flabbergasted instead of being like, okay, no, you're not stupid. He's like, you just, just because you don't know every single thing about this thing doesn't mean that you're stupid. It just means that you don't have as much knowledge as someone else, which doesn't make you stupid because you have more knowledge in some areas than other people. He's like, I couldn't open up uh, any of the programs that you use. I can't even name one right now, that a program that you use to design, that you use to design and publish and post all of these things that you do for social media he's like i can't name one of those things he's like so why would i expect i don't i wouldn't want someone to call me stupid just because i don't know something he's like i know all this shit about engineering that you don't know we're always learning yeah no one is going to know everything. Mm-mm. We don't even know how many galaxies there are. No. <laughs> Come on. We have a guesstimate. We're still guessing about space. Absolutely. And uh, it was, like, one of those things that, like, I wasn't even aware of how some of the negative self-talk that I had was until someone pointed it out to me. And then I, I, it slowly started to be like, okay, how have, they, how have I, like, changed these conversations in my head with myself more recently? Because it wasn't something that I really had been aware of even I think I have a similar story in that where somebody I actually acknowledged it to the other person um because it was external processing so Mm. you know I I think I was like showing uh, a song that I had been practicing Mm. and after I was done instead of being like oh you know good job whatever like proud of you they turn to negative self-talk. They're like, I could never do that. I can't believe that. And it was actually a reoccurring issue. It came up over and over. And I eventually, you know, was like, hey, like, why are you talking to yourself like that? And they didn't really have an answer. And mm-hmm. that's okay. But, like, yeah. just acknowledging that you might do, like, it's easy for, I think, I think it's easier for somebody on the outside to do it. I think. Absolutely. It's a little harder when you have to, like, hold yourself accountable for mm-hmm. your own inner self-talk absolutely where like the we just talked about overthinking mm-hmm. you know those thoughts just come so quickly it could be a, a millisecond mm-hmm. but if it's a reoccurring phrase in your life like oh i'm so stupid i can't believe i did that mm-hmm. that's gonna stick uh-huh oh it sure has lately <laughs> and i was like wait oh i'm not stupid i'm just learning like i'm just trying to i'm this is new like i'm not stupid so I don't have this in the notes, but I just thought of this as well. I think that the other aspect is you may not have negative self-talk, but if you are around somebody who does, that can definitely brush off onto you. Yeah, it's like that picture that's like there's a whole bunch of oranges in a bowl and there's one one rotten one and all of a sudden it starts to spread to all the other ones. Oh, are you Judge Judy or what? <laughs> she always uses the the blue like the blueberries and the strawberries. She's uh, like, she's you know, oranges. if you're in the grocery store and you see that there's one moldy blueberry, you know the other ones are going to get blue, like moldy. Oh, it's yeah, how you, you surround yourself the, with yeah, people. Yeah, you don't take the whole pack. Oh, my. Judge okay. Judy's a smart lady. <laughs> and, like, I've always thought about that reference, but I never, I don't know, I, I always think about it 
applied to other people but myself <laughs> but it is it's really true like the way that you talk to yourself and the way that in those that you surround yourself with can really change the way that you talk to yourself yeah I think hearing people if the other person is saying oh I'm so stupid I'm so stupid eventually you're gonna like do something and then you're gonna be like oh I'm so stupid mm-hmm. and that can change your self-talk so just stay aware I think mm-hmm. identifying self uh, negative self-talk and then deduct why you had that thought like what are you feeling what Mm -hmm. what's bubbling up for you are you feeling insecure are you feeling lonely sad hurt what is the feeling behind why you said that to yourself absolutely and I think I just want to touch on the like recognizing when someone else is like negatively talking about themselves that doesn't mean that you should just cut them off I think you need to make them aware of their negative self-talk and have an open conversation and dialogue about it rather than just be like, oh, you're such a negative person. I don't want anything to do with you. Like, I feel like that's something that's going around a lot on social media is like, don't surround yourself with negative people. And it's like, no, I think it should be, why don't we start holding each other accountable versus just like cutting people off that are negative? I agree. I think there's always those exceptions, obviously. Of course, (laughs) of course. And I'm not saying that, but I think it's just like really prevalent lately, at least that I've seen for myself coming across social media of like, oh, good vibes only. Like, Ooh, I don't like that phrase. I used to be about it because I was like, oh, yeah, like I want good people in my life. But I recognize that good vibes only and good people in my life are two different things. I like good vibes. I wouldn't say good vibes only because yeah. everyone has a good and bad day. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so identify negative self-talk. Deduct why you had that thought and what are your feelings. And then ask yourself, what can you do now? Look right now, what can you do at this very moment? And once you've thought of something, now think about what you can do later. Yeah. Short term and long term. Yeah. I know for myself in the short term, I like to reassure myself of something that's going on. So, like, if I had a negative comment about myself, like, oh, I'm so stupid that I can't, you know, work with InDesign. I'm like, no. I'm confident in Illustrator but I need more knowledge in InDesign. And it's always like correcting that self-talk immediately. I know that works for me. And then in the long term, building that over time eventually also makes me want to learn more about whatever program that I'm saying I'm stupid in. I love when you roll me into my next point. (laughs) (laughs) The next point is change your self-talk. You, um, I know we've said this plenty of times, Mm -hmm. but you are with yourself 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. That's why your self-talk is so important because you are constantly with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So try affirmations. Mm-hmm. Adapt more positive phrasing rather than negative. Change the way you talk to yourself. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what a great example you gave me, Joss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually just watched something this week from, uh, in a nutshell, Kazerts. It's on YouTube. It's the one that the egg people. Oh. It, they have a whole slew of things on YouTube. They're beautiful. I love it. Um, and the animations are just absolutely phenomenal. And this one was about, um, like, basically being unhappy with yourself like it was about happiness essentially and it was labeled something else but I don't quite remember and in the video they talked about the fact of like one changing your negative self-talk but an easier way to do that is also by like writing something down pen and paper and being like stating that you're grateful for it and that will and and that's the affirmation and stating and the gratefulness like I 
even just this week alone, I'm picked up doing my affirmations again and doing my, you know, three things I'm grateful for in the morning before I like roll into the rest of my work and getting my success list set up. And I found like this week, like, yeah, it was a tough week, but I also found that I was also much more aware of things and that negative self-talk that I hadn't been aware of in the previous weeks. Absolutely. I think also within, like, terms of body image, this Mm. can come up a lot, like, trying to gain the confidence there. And I think we do have good and bad days. I don't always love my stomach when it's protruding out. I'm feeling extra bloated. Yeah. But I try to change that talk to be more like, okay, well, it's not about the image. It's about, like, does my body help provide me with nutrients? Did I eat Mm -hmm. the food that I needed to get for vitamins, minerals, proteins? Like, Mm -hmm. changing it to, like, appreciating the fact that your body is doing great things for you. Mm -hmm. And no matter what size your stomach is, it doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. you're feeding and fueling your body. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Practice trust in, in yourself and others. I think this one definitely circles back to the relationship insecurity. Absolutely. Practicing trust in yourself, too. Providing that you can do whatever you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I trust myself to take care of my little brother and babysit him, you know, or, like, something small. Like, my boyfriend's going out, and he's going out for an hour. I'm going to trust to make sure he's going where he's going. Right, right. And I think... A lot of times relationship trust can stem from trust, like not having enough trust in yourself. And I know for me, my relationship trust comes from the fact that I don't trust myself to walk away when it doesn't serve me anymore. I didn't realize was a trust factor for myself simply because I didn't even recognize that that was a problem. And then I started reading a book that was like, love me, don't leave me. And the first chapter is about trust. And it's not about trusting your partner to do the right things. It's about trusting yourself to leave when they don't. And that was like, I haven't made it past that first section yet. I keep rereading that because I still struggle and am in the current workings of trusting myself to do what I say I'm going to do. And that's been a hard pill to swallow because I told myself I wasn't going to ever go back to the food industry after I left. And unfortunately, I had to break that trust. Because society says I have to have money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Society. Gosh darn it. Yeah. So, you know, that's the that practicing trust with yourself comes in a lot of different forms. And I think if you can trust yourself, trusting others becomes a lot easier. Because you trust yourself to do what you need to do for yourself in the instances when other people don't. Absolutely. I think it's about being secure mm. in you and your actions. Absolutely. Which is not always easy. And it comes, it's in the same sense of like the healing process. It's like a spiral. It comes and it goes and there's good mm-hmm. days and there's bad days. And there's days that like it's easier to trust yourself than there is on others. And I think you just need to recognize that uh, it's not a flow chart where it goes directly up. It's a very much a roller coaster of yeah. events. And I'll definitely say trust your gut, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, big one. Oh, yes. We say said, it again. We've say said it again. before, but trust your gut. Mm-hmm. You know, your gut's usually there to tell you, like, and it's, I'd say, 99% accurate. Yeah, and I mean, our trust, like, the gut trust comes from... from within you. Well, it comes with, from within you, but it's also, like, a evolutionary thing like we had to trust mm. our guts in order to like survive back then like you had to oh i feel a rumble oh landslide <laughs> <laughs> like you know you have to recognize those things so yeah i think trusting your gut more than anything is very important 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Give yourself permission to be authentically you. No one's going to do it, baby. Just you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's a big takeaway for me. I think that I was very confident, but I think I was still focusing on what other people and society expected of me. Mm. Um, so what I did was I... So I have a question for you before oh, you roll okay. forward. I apologize to interrupt. How dare you interrupt? I know. But do you think that expectations and confidence have a role in building your own self-confidence? Like, does outside expectations have an effect on how you build your confidence? And I just mean this specifically on a personal level. Um, I think that it can because you it holds a power over you um, because, you know, the expectation society sets is like, oh, you're going to be an adult, you're going to have a great job, you're going to get married, and you're going to have babies and all that jazz. Or, like, you know, you need to look a certain way, have a fat ass, big titties, like, whatever's in trend right now. And so you kind of start taking on those expectations of yourself, and you feel like you're disappointing. I wouldn't even say other people. I mean, I think part of it is. But you're, like, almost disappointing yourself, too, because you're not living up to those expectations. And that can definitely affect your confidence. Um, That's why I said to be authentically you. Take Mm -hmm. away that power that they're they're, quote-unquote, holding. Because it's not power. It's just what other people deem, I would say, they think it's worthy. Mm. But it's not. Everyone lives their life differently. And you need to live yours for you. Mm -hmm. Because... I think porn is the easiest way to explain it. Okay. People have such a negative connotation about porn. Okay, but if you like sex and you mm. don't mind being on video and you're really interested in being in porn, are you going to stop and not do porn just because other people think it's terrible? No, because I'm sure the people that are saying that it's terrible are also still the ones that are watching it. <laughs> and, and the other thing is, is that, okay... W- so now you've decided to be authentically you and go into the porn industry. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to meet a huge community who accepts you yep, for you. And you're going to find that with everything. I know porn, mm-hmm. porn it might be an extreme example, but the same people that the D&D, the Dungeons and Dragons, yep. you're going to find Dungeons and Dragon people. The smut people, you're going to find smut people. There's plenty of smut people. There's plenty of smut people. <laughs> you know, you're going to find the people that like spicy food. You're going to find mm. the people that like, I don't know, Rubik's Cubes. Yeah. Math. Yep. There's always going to be a community around you. It's just discovering it. And I think people get stuck in the societal small town box. And it's because they grew up with it. You know, if you you did grow up in a small town. I grew up in a small town. It was a little cow town. People, there were certain expectations around that town. And that was all you saw because that's where you lived. Right. And as soon as you get outside your little bubble, wow, there's so many people. People aren't used to seeing different. And that's what scares yeah. people. Yeah. 100%. I love that. But you can't. You have to live for you. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard to hear all the comments that might arise mm-hmm. or the expectations or the people that might be disappointed in you. But if you're making yourself happy, if you're living for you, that's all that matters. You have to live with yourself at the end of the day. You have to die with yourself by the end of the, that time. Mm-hmm. So are you going to look back at yourself when you're 99 and you're dying on your deathbed? 
and go, oh, fuck, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And it was only because Betty Jo said some nasty, snooty things to me about it, mm-hmm. and that stopped me. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be 99 on your deathbed and be like, I fucking lived the shit out of my life. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I went skydiving and I started, I, I did a porn video and I did this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a great answer, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so take away their power. Enjoy things for you and only you. Mm. Each one of us is different and that's what makes us unique. I think the other thing is to accept your strengths and weaknesses. Oh. I know we can easily accept our strengths. Yeah. But weaknesses, we also need to accept. I think that was the only takeaway from my last relationship is he was like, I don't like doing that and I'm really bad at it. So I outsource for it and it's the best thing I can do because it keeps me doing what I know how to do. And I'm like, oh, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. And it's true. Like, you know, I think a lot of people say that, um, that own businesses, they're like, I outsource for certain things because I want to stay in my zone of genius because I know that that's what I'm good at and I own the fact that I'm really weak in this other area and somebody else is really strong in that and I would rather outsource to that person who thoroughly enjoys what they do and are confident in what they do and I am not. So it's so much better for me, the business, and anyone involved to outsource. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that a lot of people can quickly come up with their strengths, Mm. but sometimes you also can't. And that's okay, too. I think that doing a little bit of writing, do that journaling prompt. Okay, what do I like about myself? What are the things that I am? What things come easily to me? Mm -hmm. What do I succeed in? What do other people say that I succeed in? Mm -hmm. And just looking at that and then pull out what you like. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm pretty charismatic. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm funny. (laughs) I think I'm fucking hilarious, honestly. I say, that, I say that to my boyfriend all the time. I'm like, I'm fucking hilarious. And he goes, half the time I don't even think you're funny. I laugh because you're laughing so fucking hard at yourself. And I'm like, oh, I know. And that's the whole point. Yeah. If you start laughing at yourself oh because you God. think you're hilarious, other people are going to join in. Yeah, because they want to laugh too. Like, people want to enjoy things. And laughter is enjoyable. <laughs> exactly. And for your weaknesses... No one's perfect. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think you should write about how they've made you better. Mm. I know I've talked about it before, but I always talk about my clumsiness. Mm. I could have absolutely hated that I was super clumsy. I could have been like, oh, gosh, why do you keep doing this? Oh, just catch the gosh darn thing. Like, Mm. I never did that to myself, and I'm so happy that I didn't because, you know what? I became so much better, and my reflexes are great. Mm. Yeah, I was always considered Grace as a child. They said that my middle name should have been Grace because I wasn't very graceful. So it was, like, the opposite. And, like, I mean, there was a year I almost took out our Christmas tree uh, because, well, it wasn't my fault. They only waxed the floor in, like, a certain spot. They put Pledge in one spot and then chased me. So, like, no shit I'm going to almost take out the Christmas tree. You don't wax in front of the Christmas tree, bruh. Anyway, but I remember the Grace reference, but I never had the Christmas tree part. Yeah, and then, like, I broke a lamp, but, like, I blamed it on my uncle because he was chasing me. And I was like, if he hadn't chased me, I wouldn't have broken the lamp. And I was like, anyway, so it's his fault. Tell me I'm not accepting your weaknesses, John. Like, I was just like, yup. I'm like, 
I owned it. Like, I always have bruises. People are like, where do those come from? What's that? What's this? I'm like, I don't know. I'm it gives you a good story to tell. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, I, like, I'm not graceful. Like, I run into things. I bump into things. I walk into walls. Those haven't moved in years, but it's still something I run into. But it's not something I beat myself up over. You ever catch your belt loops on doorknobs? That's always the universe telling you, bitch, slow the fuck down. As long as other people have those problems. <laughs> but you have to make peace with both strengths and weaknesses. Weaknesses 100%. being the important one. Absolutely. Because I think once you accept your weaknesses, you can dive deeper into your strengths. 100%. I like this one next. This next okay. point is about becoming a yes man. I have some things, some opposites of why not to be a yes man, but I'll let you talk about why to be a yes man first. Only because... I'm just picturing Kanye at the awards being like, all right, Taylor, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> Beyonce had the best... <laughs> Music video of all time. <laughs> oh, I want to be Kanye. <laughs> but anyway, become a yes man. Let me at least give my reasoning to why, yep. and then you can yep. definitely play Absolutely. devil's advocate for me. Absolutely, I'm going to. So I said become a yes man because I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Yes Man, but it has uh, Jim Carrey. And he just decides to say yes to a lot of things. He was living, like, kind of a mundane life, in his opinion. And he decided to start saying yes to more things and getting himself out of his comfort zone. Um, I think this goes along with living in the present. Mm -hmm. To build the confidence, you need to live in the present. You can control your present. The future can wait, and your past is behind you. You have control over what is happening right now. Make peace with trauma make peace with the people that you have struggles with and most importantly make peace with yourself mm -hmm. get out of your comfort zone try something new that's what, how you build the confidence remember that practice makes perfect i don't like that term perfect but practice makes perfect practice but makes you can't better. and you can't improve if you don't start that one i like that's why i said become a yes man i'm not saying I say yes all the time but if you say yes a little bit more often, it can get you out of your box. Mm-hmm. 100%. I just say be careful with that becoming a yes man simply because I played a year of saying yes. And I think I can reflect on that year and realize that there were a lot of really good things that happened because I said yes. But there were also some other things that I recognized maybe I should have said no to because they weren't in my best interest. So I think recognizing when to say yes and be the yes man, because it opens you up to a new opportunity or a new experience or learning something new. But I think if you're just gonna constantly say yes to everything, you know, they people talk about the year of yes, like everybody, you know, somebody says, I'm gonna, gonna go on vacation, you say yes, like, you know, all these things. I think there are pros and cons to being a yes man. And I think one of the cons is just recognizing when it isn't going to serve you for the reason you started being a yes man. I think that's a great point. And I will advise my statement from becoming a yes man to finding out and learning what your boundaries are and your limitations and then saying yes to what you feel comfortable. I don't want to say comfortable with. Then becoming a yes man. Mm -hmm. Because at least if you know your limitations. Like, I personally would never do hardcore drugs. That would be my limitation. So mm -hmm. if someone was like, hey, let's do drugs, I would be like... Ooh, nope. Yeah. That's okay to say no. Yeah. But, like, if someone's like, hey, you want to go try hiking up a mountain? I would be like, sure. <laughs> you let's <already> go. 
You already did say yes to that. And I got out of my comfort zone, although I was out of breath. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my only advisement of being a yes man, because I definitely said yes to some things that I reflect back on and was like, ooh, that didn't serve me in the purpose of why I started being a yes man. So I think recognize why you want to say yes to things and step outside the comfort zone as long as as it's still the reason why you wanted to start saying yes in the first place. That's my only (laughs) chef's kiss. Couldn't have said it better. Next tip would be to adjust how you perceive feedback and rejection. Ooh, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. (laughs) And so this has to do with confidence because we are going to consistently hear feedback or rejection at some point in our lives. And honestly, it's whether we want it or not. Especially with social Unsolicited, media. Unsolicited, yeah. for sure, sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, if we... We can either take that feedback and have it cause some upset, especially if it's some negative feedback. Mm-hmm. And we can become critical of ourselves. We can take that rejection as a dig against us. We're somehow not worthy or, or not good enough. Or we can take their words at face value and just see whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, you feel that way? Great. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm like that. Mm-hmm. And you can just walk away. You can hear someone's feedback and go, I'm fine. Yeah. And not and, let it affect your confidence. Yeah, and also recognize that sometimes feedback isn't about you. It's about what they're going through and how they perceive you. Mm, uh, definitely a mirror. A yeah. lot of people's feedback does tend to mirror their own insecurities. Absolutely. I mean, I, I recognize when I'm doing it and I'm, like, talking and I'm like, ah, you need to address that later by yourself, bitch. <laughs> I think the other part of taking their words at face value is the positive. Mm. Some people struggle with, you know, hearing that they are beautiful, that they have a, a lovely smile, that they mm. are glowing. Take it at face value. They're saying that for a reason because they truly feel like that. Mm-hmm. I know you may not feel like that in the moment, but if you start taking those at face value... It's just going to help keep that positive train going and get you started on the same track. Absolutely. Uh, learn better coping me- mechanisms goes alongside of that. So, again, you might not have the best feedback or you might get rejected. How do you cope with that? Mm-hmm. Are you going to go have a tantrum and freak out? Are mm. you going to take it, in, it into account and then decide what you want to do? Or are you going to do both? Because honestly, I think both is, I think it's fair to sit down and be upset about the emotion, mm. whatever, or the rejection or whatever the feedback is. I think it's okay for you to be upset about it. Like that's a valid experience. Absolutely. And you're allowed to storm off and throw a temper tantrum and then you need to sit down and realize why did that give me a temper tantrum? Why, why did, did it I... bother me? Right. Exactly. Assess that emotion and if it made you sad assess why it made you sad if it you know made you happy assess why it also made you happy I think it goes along both lines like it doesn't have to be just about when you throw a temper tantrum about something it can be oh that made me really happy and it's like oh wait but why (laughs) and then you get to assess that a little bit more and I think you should do both I don't think it's one or the other (laughs) I agree feel the emotion fully and then Assess what to do with it afterwards. Look at your surroundings is the next tip. I think this goes right back to our orange reference and blueberry <laughs> reference. It definitely does. You're always jumping ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't apologize. <laughs> 
So surrounding yourself with positive influences, this goes back to the moldy blueberry. You know, if you are constantly around those negative people, it, it is going to eventually brush off onto you and that can affect your well-being and your mm-hmm. confidence. You might start doubting yourself. I had a friend, that, that same friend, um, constantly was tearing herself down and then digging at me at the same time. Mm. So she would be like, oh, I can never do that. And you actually kind of fucking sucked. I was like, well, damn. <laughs> and after hearing that so much, I did decide to have less interactions with that friend because I did try to bring it up to them and it just was not working. And I realized mm. that she wasn't in a place in her life to support other women, mm. other people. Mm. So I decided to walk away from my own well-being and esteem so that, because I, I don't think I sucked. I yeah. thought I was so, I was great. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I sucked, because practice makes perfect, and I'm going to continue going on no matter what, because mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy my own hobbies. I like anime. I like singing. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to stop? Because you don't like it. Yeah. So, positive influences around your life. Practice appreciation for the good in your life as well. Mm-hmm. That goes back to the affirmation, saying, yeah, like, what's good. And sometimes it can be hard. I think that on Oof. some of my worst days, it's hard to pull out the good in my life. Yeah, and I think sometimes being grateful for the most basic things is something so undervalued, especially in moments like this when it's really hard or those times that it's really hard for you to just, like, figure out something you're grateful for. Being grateful for the wadi, water, wadi, for the wadi, for the water that fuels your body is something that I fall back on a lot when I'm struggling to find things that I'm grateful for. And usually even just that first one, I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm grateful for my body that processes the water. And like, then it's like a little bit easier to find the next thing that makes you grateful. So if you struggle with it, start with something super basic, like, oh, I'm grateful for internet. Like we like something that is so basic in your life that doesn't need anything extra. It's just one thing, and that can sometimes help to spiral the the next. I think starting small is a great tip. I think that it's gonna look different for everyone. Like what's Absolutely. good in your life. I know, like my own personal circumstances. I don't. I wouldn't pull out the little things like, oh, I have a house. Oh, I can feed myself. And, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to then, because you can't compare yourself and be like, oh, there's people struggling in, in whatever country or wherever. It doesn't compare. And, and it's okay that you, you have access to those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to understand, but, like, that might not be the good thing that you point in your life. Like, mm-hmm. you also might have had a parent that's like, oh, I got a roof over your head. You should be grateful. Mm-hmm. And so it is going to look different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think starting small and, and going on the baseline of, like, your day-to-day mm-hmm. is a great tip um, to pull out those good, but it is going to look different for everyone. Absolutely. So this last tip, I'm going to say use with caution. Please yeah. use with caution. Yeah. Give yourself an alter ego. <laughs> So what I mean by that is that Jocelyn and I both have an alter ego. Yeah, um, and it is a, a, I would say, person, personality yeah. um, that you can use to embody either your positive or your negative traits. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's easier to be somebody else. Yeah, 100%. To, to attribute those things to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So I love your alter ego. <laughs> so I'd like you to go first and explain, Patricia. 
Okay, so Miss Patricia is um, quite the alter ego. Um, she comes out very much so. She is the person that takes care of me when I am not here. I am drunk as a skunk. I am on another planet. She's the one that's having conversations at 4 a.m. and telling people which persona from Monsters, Inc. they are when I am blackout drunk. And she makes sure I get to bed. I drink my water. I take my medicine. She is the one that embodies the more negative side of me because as a drunk and I'm blackout, I don't know what I'm doing. So Patricia kind of is the one that is helpful because she makes sure that I don't die while I'm drunk, but she's also the drunk part of me that's always like, hey, 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 why don't you have a margarita? Hey, why don't you have a few more shots? Hey, so I can come out and have fun. Hey. So um, I have given her an alter ego, and I don't know why I named her Patricia. It was just, like, one day, and I was like, that's not me. That's Patricia. Like, we don't know her. <laughs> so Patricia is definitely my alter ego that is more or less comes out when I'm intoxicated. <laughs> so you use Patricia to embody your negative traits. Does it help you to take her outside of your body, too? Because it's... I think it's a little harder to say like oh well, i got blackout i i did all that oh, drinking absolutely where if you take it and almost put it outside of yourself by giving her a name mm -hmm. and being like oh patricia did that and mm -hmm. then you can kind of like reflect on your actions absolutely is that what you're doing with patricia oh definitely because i <laughs> will be like someone's like oh yeah you know you were doing x y and z last night i'm like no i wasn't that was patricia we don't know her <laughs> and like i can joke about it in a way that is productive because when I do get blackout and people tell me things about what I was doing while I was blackout, I'm like, oh, we don't like that. So how can we address that so it doesn't come up when Patricia is here or we can stop before Patricia gets here? Um, I know you and I had talks privately about, I'm like, look, like I'm doing a lot of drinking and I'm not enjoying it and like I don't know what to do. And it's like, and you're like, okay, well, let's talk about some things. And I was like, okay, great. And we came to the solution that was like, okay, one drink, one glass of water. One drink, one glass of water. Make sure we eat. Also, drink more water. Like, we came to that solution. And it was always like, you know, and then there was the backup plan. Hey, if you feel like you're going south, you know you can call me anytime. So it was always that being able to recognize when Patricia started and then how to address said Patricia <laughs> when I felt like it was going too far. I want to ask you another follow-up question. Okay. How do you feel like Patricia related to your confidence? Ooh. Um, I know that's a hard one. I, I don't think I honestly really reflected on that until right New now. journal prompt. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really don't, like... Can I, can I give you a third party outside view? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we can cut any of this if you want to. <laughs> so, as an outside third party, like, looking at you when you talk about Patricia, I feel like Patricia, for you, is your other personality that gives you a little bit more confidence when you're going into a social situation. Oh, yeah. You get the confidence, you're able to talk to other people, you get that charismatic nature... And although she does have the negative where it comes with, like, the drinking and such, she also gives you the confidence to do something that you might feel uncomfortable about. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I would love to see you tether your confidence with, without, without Patricia. Yeah. I would, I would on love. On that, just on that instance. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, 
and never really thought about it in that way. And like embodying Trisha, Patricia as my confidence, human or other alter ego, alter ego. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see that for sure. Definitely helps me in those social situations where I'm like, <laughs> I mean, uh, my alter ego is Lana. I, I think that she does the same, except she gives me like the positives. Mm-hmm. I think Patricia can be both for you. Absolutely. I'm gonna explain Lana in a second, but Patricia could be the negatives mm-hmm. and pointing out, oh, you know, maybe I did get, I drank, I drank too much, or I was feeling some type of way, and I said something I didn't mean. Right. But I think Patricia can also be that. Oh well, she is charismatic. She is, and that she is outgoing and being able to talk to just about anybody. Mm-hmm. And. Once you realize, like, sometimes it helps you bring out those traits that you don't always see, those strengths and weaknesses, Mm. and it helps you take it outside of yourself to be able to look at it and be like, well, if Patricia's outgoing and charismatic like that, that's also a part of me. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of absorb your alter ego back into yourself. Yeah. And that's kind of what I use Lana for. Lana's, like, my outgoing, outrageous... I, I like to use it toward my positive traits. I also used to use her when I couldn't make phone calls. <laughs> I'd be like, well, Alyssa can't make any phone calls because she's anxious, but Lana sure fucking can. <laughs> and then I'd be like, hi, uh, I'm calling. Uh, I'm Lana. I'm calling on behalf of Alyssa to make her doctor's appointment. Yep. And I would use it to my advantage mm-hmm. so that when I was struggling, I still had somebody who was my alter ego to kind of step outside myself mm-hmm. and give myself that confidence. Because I can, I can easily give somebody else confidence. Oh, God, yeah. But to instill it in yourself <laughs> is a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely. why I said, you know, people use the term fake it till you make it. I know that the Rihanna trend was going around way, way too much on mm. um, TikTok. Because it's like, you know, what do you do on those days you feel bad? Fake it till you make it. Mm. Fake it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like, it does work to an extent. But, like, please use with caution. Yeah. Because if you start faking it, at some point, that's going to become your reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where that superficial portion of the insecurity comes back into play. That's yeah. the image insecurity. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Last, last little tip. Um, so, for long-term, ongoing issues with your confidence, your self-confidence, your self-esteem... You can consider reaching out to your doctor, your provider, or a therapist. It is not a bad thing to speak with somebody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's getting... Jocelyn's very good at giving me an outside perspective, but if you don't have that in your life, or you yeah. just want someone that's neutral right. and unbiased... Absolutely, because I know for sure, like, because we've known each other so long, we definitely can have a bi- more biased opinion in some in some aspects. Yeah, I, therapy is a safe space mm-hmm. for you to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. And, and if you feel like your therapist isn't that, I see, I urge you to seek a different therapist. Find one that works for you. I agree. think it can take a few tries, for sure. I absolutely agree. Do you have anything else with that being said? No. All right. I'm going to check us out. Um, I am going to just preface it by saying confidence is a roller coaster. And sometimes it's as little as starting with your stance. Mm. I walk with my head up. Even on the days I feel like shit. Mm. It's not going to work every day. You're going to have intrusive thoughts. But take that into account and give yourself a little gentleness. Mm-hmm. Be gentle with yourself while you're building your confidence. 
follow, rate, like, and subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at tabletalks.podcast. Our next episode is going to be Facing Failure and Fears. These all three go hand in hand, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So get ready to face your fears when we come back next week. Bye, lovelies.